Hi guys, welcome to episode four of What's the Word? My name is Manu. And I'm Marino. This is actually the last episode of 2022. Some people may say, thank God, 2022. It was a, it was crazy. It was a crazy little year, right? What's, what's the word for 2022 in your opinion? Change. Ooh. Change. Like a lot of big changes happened in my life, so... Um, I would say change and, and good change. So change is, is not always great, but in this case it was, it was, it was great. So, but other than that, on my mind is the South Florida traffic that, that change is a change that is really bothering me. It's, it's to the point where I truly think that you South Floridians are the worst drivers in the United States of America. Actually, let, let's pull that up. I'm actually curious. Because it's horrible. There is on 95, the speed limit's like 65, and you go no faster than 40. And it doesn't matter if it's Wednesday at noon or if it's rush hour. There is no rush hour. It's rush day every day. And it's horrible. It's so bad. So that that... That's all I can think about today because I was stuck in that traffic and it turns a 30-minute trip into an hour and 25 minutes because everybody's just coasting. It's like no urgency. Nobody wants to get where they want to go. I'm used to in Jersey. Everybody's like super quick. So worldpopulationreview.com, I don't know how reliable this is, but they say that Mississippi is number one in worst driver's Nevada, number two, Tennessee, number three, Florida, number four, and right. California, number completely Well, wrong. they're in the top five. Completely wrong. I'll put yeah. Florida in one, California in two. Well, I haven't been to Mississippi and Tennessee myself. I actually can't speak for that. But, dude, it can be, like, anything like this. There's no way. And it's, it's just not it's And not if there the is, I will never go there. And it's not only the traffic. It's, like, the drivers. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. The, it's an issue with Because I'm looking at them as I pass them and weave in and out, and I'm like... You were just sitting there just loving this shit, like 40 miles an hour, loving braking, little bit of gas brake, little bit of gas brake. Oh, look, this person has a flat tire. Hey, buddy, that kind of sucks. And I'm going to keep moving on. But I just wanted to stop everybody and say that to you. It's so fucking annoying. It it's really is. for people that, that are from here. I can only imagine from the people that just moved here this year. Especially after the pandemic, dude, there was a boom in Florida, as many of you know. And it just, a lot of things got better, but fucked up traffic, dude. Fucked up traffic in every single way possible. But on another note from that, I think that the word for 2022 for Manu will be growth, but the painful one, but it, it, which is good at the end, but it was growth, definitely. And hopefully 2023, we're going to put that growth to use there and make go. some progress. And unfortunately, dude, today is actually a sad day. Uh, Pelé, the legend, the goat, the king has passed away at 82. And, uh, you know, there's no way that we cannot just not talk about this yeah no and and i i was not i I was never a massive soccer fan but everybody knows pele every single person knows pele like even in american movies like kicking and screaming with will ferrell 
the soccer movie where he does a like a Pop Warner league. And the big thing is his dad has this collectible and it's it's the the shot that uh Pele scored. Yes, the yeah, bicycle the shot. Yeah, the yep. ball. And he has that ball and he's like, I love this ball more than like my own son. And it's like just Pele is soccer. It, it, it like that's what he is and and it's it's a sad day for the whole entire soccer world it's a sad day for brazilians with him being probably the most influential person to come out of brazil not just for you know his athleticism but the way he you know was a role model for young kids coming from brazil i mean like neymar I can imagine what it has done to him, but dude, he was actually he was named the king of soccer in 1958 by the French after uh, he took that World Cup home as the youngest player to ever do so at 17. And dude, I mean, at, at 17 they already saw him as the king of soccer, but that title really came to life, you know, as as he unfolded not only as a player but as as a person and as a personality. He. Dude, every single Brazilian, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've met one person that dislike him. And like you said, every, everyone knows Pelé, you know. And just a debut to him, he's the the soccer player to have the most goals ever. I think it's a little bit over twelve eighty. And dude, it, an That's interesting insane. fact that it's it's gonna be really cool and it's gonna play off what we we're talking about the other day. Um, in 1975, which I did not know, he signed with uh, New York Cosmos. He came oh, to really? the U.S. and it was and it was a crazy thing because obviously, just as imagine that today is already not very popular. Imagine how it was in 1975. You know, so it was obviously a little bit difficult there, here and there, because he wasn't so popular. But he did sign with the Cosmos in 1975, and a bunch of like bigger names followed him. Uh, which obviously brought a lot of money to the U.S. and soccer and a lot of views. I think it was the time that they most sold tickets for, you know, that team in that time. And, dude, he actually retired. He retired in the Cosmos in 1977. And it's interesting because he played the first half with the... So in that last... Uh, in the last game of his career, he played the first half with the Cosmos jersey, and then he played the second half with the Santos jersey, which is actually the the team that you know he he became known. Um, in the first, I think, in the first ten months that he wasn't in, uh, in Santos at sixteen, he uh, he uh, he had I don't remember exactly the goals, but it was a crazy amount, you know, especially for that kid. And he was, uh, you know, he was already selected to go to the to go to the Brazilian national team and in 58 they took it they took it home they took he took it 3 years dude he's he's uh, wow so going off of that and and sticking to an ambassador of soccer and you 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 brought up that he did come it's so crazy that you you say that he came in and he actually had like a contract with a New York club so New York City FC has just signed recently 14-year-old midfielder Maximo Carrizo as a homegrown player, okay? First team contract, youngest player in MLS history, okay? This kid is from Argentina. He is going to turn 15 this upcoming year, turned down almost every single club in the Premier League, 
to go play for them, money and everything. And he decided that he wants to stay in, in the MLS. And I think wow. like Did he say why? That's just crazy. I mean, I think that it's just he they I think it's one of those things where they were the first to give him a chance. And now that, you know, 15 is kind of like that age, I guess, 15, 16, where clubs start to really hone in on, like, grabbing kids. And I think because he was with them for so long, like, maybe 10 to, like, 13, he was like, I'm going to, like, pay it forward and, like, really grow. I can maybe become, like, the messy of the MLS and grow and become a, a like, a fucking folk hero almost like grow the u.s as, to connect as, that to her point uh, uh while the world cup was going on dude is is you are we going to see a change in 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 u.s soccer not just the game but how people view it in the next four years you could say you know the they did try it in 75 when they brought Pelé in a crazy contract, and maybe they're going to try it again now. You know, we hear more about the MLS, the rumors about Messi coming, this young kid just saying, no, I'm not going to go to the Premier League, I'm not going to go to Europe, I am going to go to the MLS. So what do you think that, that could mean to soccer in general? So he actually joined as a U12 oh, wow. with them. Yeah, that's insane, from FC Westchester. But I think, like... This is huge. This is this is massive for soccer. Like, I think people in America have been waiting for this. Like the the soccer fans. Like it's been a long time coming. Like, and I just don't see like this whole time. I have not seen the reason why. Like, it's it just hasn't been, been a talent. Thing. It's just been the like having that like, oh my god, talented guy. It's because the, the, that's not what the kids desire. You know, like yeah. I'm not obviously speaking for everyone, but if you like. Comparing Brazil to USA, like let's say in in middle school, elementary or high school or whatever, kids here desire to play other sports. Because yeah. obviously, if you go on a scholarship for basketball, if you go on a scholarship for football, that's a whole other dimension than going on a scholarship for soccer. You know, so it's also yeah. like the the talent. Yes, the talent, but it also needs like those little seeds need to be planted in those kids' heads, and that's only going to happen when the MLS start like popping off cool. and start becoming big. And you're also taught like. What are you going to go do? Play in the MLS? Right. Like, it's not big. It's not, it's not, it doesn't make the most money. It's not gratifying enough. Like, it's not as big as the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, the NHL even. Like, the MLS is like a, like an, a minor league team almost. Like, and I don't want to take anything from them. They are ridiculous athletes. It's just, they're not getting enough publicity exposure like it's not really they're almost having to compete for time they're like trying to prove that they are worth you know being marketed like the nhl just recently did by going back to espn but i think kids like this will draw people in that know that it will make them a lot of money seeing this kid and he's in new york he's in one of the biggest um he's in one of the biggest uh markets I mean, and I think that's going to be kind of cool. He's from Argentina, uh, from Argentinian descent. When Messi comes to Miami and plays in the MLS and, like, these two are going at it, it's going to have, like, that little bit of, like, flair, like, that little bit of, like, master and the the young buck. Dude, on that, actually, that that just reminded me of um, 
Rafael Nadal and Carlos Alvarez. That's oh the young, the, the young Spanish dude, the young Spanish player facing off his idol, who is also from Spain. Like that's just that's just he's huge. still number one in the world. He's yeah. racking up a lot of he weeks is. as number one in the world. He is, dude. And he's how old? Yeah, I think he is. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm not actually going to double check. I think he's on his twenties. I think he's only like, like young twenties. Yeah, like, like not over twenty three. Uh, so like twenty, it's like literally twenty twenty one. But that kid is like, he's like the Patrick Mahomes of tennis. He does things with the fucking racket that are just stupid. Like he'll go behind the back. Dude, he's nineteen, and I'm sorry, guys. I said Alvarez is Alcaraz. Alcaraz is only nineteen years old. The kid is still a teenager. So like, and we just saw this kid like Collecting under the titles. legs, under the legs, just effort. And dude, just having fun. Yeah. He like, is just having fun. It's, it, that's the interesting part. I actually was looking at, it's funny you bring it up, because we haven't talked about tennis in, in quite a bit. I was looking up uh, Alcaraz RPAs the other day. Those things are so fucking expensive. What are they going for? They're like literally for the number to like, cause, so there's number to 199s, and then there's like the number to 99s. That's tops, dude, right? It is, no, it's actually net pro. Oh no, that's yeah. right. That's just the yeah. the, the twenty, the two thousand three two thousand three Nepro, the Serena. Yeah, the yeah, Serena yeah, Williams. Yeah. Yep, same company, and and they just put the like so, off the rip, they were twelve hundred because the Tons was trying to get one because he loves tennis and he he was always texting me. He was like, "Yo, this Alcaraz kid is a beast." He's like, "I'm looking at buying his cards." He only bought like a rookie card, but he saw the RPAs. They were twelve hundred. They sold out within like a minute. So, and I think now they're like 4K for a raw napkin, just not really good looking card. Dude, listen, the, the rate that this kid is going, if he keeps going at this rate, and, and, and mind you, obviously there is a lot of players on the come up, but a lot of the great, 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 great players are on the going out, you know? So if he continues on this path, dude, in five, six, seven years, they, this dude is not gonna, only going to rack up, like, trophies and, and fucking rankings, but he's going to, like, rack up records. So, so Grand Slams, those are, are, is that, like, a major? That's in a major golf? in golf, yeah. Okay, so, like, so, like, how many Grand Slams do you think he could rack up in the next five years? Dude, I'm saying he could, he could. Like, before he turns 24, let's there's say. A, there's five, if I'm not mistaken. Five um, a year? Five a year. I okay. think he could rack up minimum three a year. Oh my God! Like so now, and and I'm really gonna test your knowledge of of the history of tennis. But Sorry, I, there's four. four. There's four. I really want to know this. Who holds the record for most majors uh, career? Or, I mean, not, not majors. I'm sorry. Um, Grand slams in a career. Bro, I think it's is it, it Federer? Has, it, it's uh, I think Federer was tied with Joko for a little bit. Uh, I'm super slams. interested to hear this because, like those, are, like you said, those are the those are the old guard. They're Dude, leaving. Nadal, yeah, Nadal and Feder were tied for a minute, and then Nadal took it. If I, if I, yeah, this year he took it. This year, okay. And and how many does he have? Twenty two. <laughs> so if this kid wins just half of the Grand Slams in the next four years. He is going to rack up the next five. In the next five, in the next five, he'll rack up. He'll have. He only has one right now, right? He only has one. The US so he'll, Open. So he'll have eleven. You'll have eleven, dude. 
before he's 20, when he reaches 25 years old. He's going to rack up records. Yes, 4K right now for RPAs. You know, a little bit. But for, that, for tennis, but it's a little bit. we be talking about the GOAT. Exactly. It's what I'm saying. It's like, yes, it's a big hike from 1,200 oh, to 4K, and it's like, wow, it might seem expensive, but dude, but it's a whole How old it's is Nadal? Investment. Nadal is uh, 30. Nadal is kind of oldish. Bro. He's in his like 35, 36. Yeah, he's like not old, but he's definitely 36. 36. This kid is 19. 19. Dude, 17 shit. years we're giving this kid to get 23. So he has to get 22 more if Nadal wins no more Grand Slams. He has to get 22 Grand Slams in 17 and years. And here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Nadal's thing, clay. All day. Uh-huh. All day. Federer thing. Well, Federer, Federer, is, Federer is an all-around guy. Mm-hmm. Joko will kill you in the fast court. Carlos, all-around. All around. Dominates. All around. All around. He's so, he just kind of like, he's an all around player, kind of like Federer, but he got the, he got the play like Nadal, dude. So it's, it's a dangerous. So from your experience, what, how do I, how do I say this? How do I put it? What is the more difficult court? Like what is the majority of, the like high performance tennis players, what are they better on? Is it the fast court or is it like, what is it? What would you rather being a pro tennis player be more efficient in? So um, the, the good thing about the grand slams is that they are around uh, the French open is clay. Uh, Wimbledon is grass. Australian, Australian and us open is fast. Um, it really, it really comes to where you really grew up and where you're more, more comfortable like in brazil we have a lot of red clay and that's where i was most comfortable at like over here when i played in green clay for example i wasn't as comfortable and then when i played in fast it was like kind of weird but obviously at this point you would have to have obviously your go-to like that's my thing but it, you you need to be good at it at all courts, bro, because yeah. the competition nowadays, it doesn't allow you to be super good in one mm-hmm. end and then slack on the other ones. No, like, you got to be good at everyone, but then obviously you can, you're always going to be the one, you're always going to have one that you're more comfortable at. Yeah, yeah. I find that to be so interesting. Like, this kid really, we could be seeing, like, what they saw with Tiger when he was so young and just dominating just at a dominate. young age. It's like... But just it's, to, it's really cool to see. To also uh, answer your question and to go back to this, um, it also dep- like obviously f- there mu- there's many more there's much more fast courts than any other type, especially in the U.S. So that's more popular, you know. So that's where people are most likely going to play at. Like grass courts, you don't see them that often. So I believe that like Wimbledon will be one of like the hardest tournaments to compete. And, and last thing on on the tennis thing, what fast court, grass court. What's the difference? Clay, I can understand, but fast court and then grass court. What's the difference, dude? Grass is literally grass. Like when, like you don't like, see it as but, often. But but is it super like super like low cut grass? No, it's kind of it. Like how does it bounce? Grassy. It it bounces. So there's a 
I don't know the specifics, like engineering of it, but there's like, I believe a little bit like synthetic kind of. Okay, it but it is bounce. literally like grass. But here's the thing. It bounces very differently from the fast court yeah. and the clay court as well. So it's it's different bounces. Because so it has different dimensions. It's got like. Exactly. So what's a fast no, the court dimension, now? The dimension of the court's always the same. No, I mean like it, it's got the blades of grass to deal with. Definitely. But now a fast court is what? It's just like cement. It's not actual cement, okay. but just like the, the, the regular. Like what you and see paint it on. Open, just paint it on. That's like what you wow. see in, in okay. college games and stuff. Okay. Okay. So no U.S. La- okay. Now last question. Do you know of any U.S. college courses that are, um, or courts that are clay? There is a few. There is a few over here in Florida. If I'm not mistaken, there is a few in California. I feel like that would be a huge Dude, there's advantage. definitely some around the, co- the country. I just don't, have never been or don't know, but there's. Having your home court in the U.S. as a college team being like red clay, I think would be a huge advantage. Oh, dude, absolutely. Like, like I said, it's not only you. It's not like just knowing how to play in the courts. Like the ball bounces differently. Like in the clay court, you can slide. In the fast court, no, if you slide, you're literally gonna bust your ass. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's different. It's it's a different it's a different game, kind of. You gotta play a different game. That's super interesting. Um, moving on though to the hobby, um. Baseball has been really, really, really well. I've noticed on whatnot. A lot of a lot of people, a lot of breakers on whatnot, are ripping Bowman, Bowman Draft, Bowman Chrome, which I believe is like huge for that. Is huge for baseball because I think a lot of people are starting to realize with ESPN and them pushing baseball and the home runs and the records being broken and Bryce Harper kind of making it fun again. I think people are starting to realize that baseball has a really significant place in the hobby because now it's something they can be excited about. And I've seen a lot of people get into Bowman and the Bowman autos are starting to really pop off. Even if it's not what people start to realize is even if it's not a professional player yet, they're in the minors. That is professional, but they're in the minor league programs they still go for a lot of money, and I think people are starting to realize that a lot of these products are so cheap that the chance that they have of hitting, quote-unquote, a banger is a lot higher in these products for their bang for their buck. I think we could see Bowman, which is at like 450 a box right now, within the next three years. It all depends on the draft class and, and the class of signees and stuff like that, but I'm saying just like the level of Bowman... It, I think it's going to surpass Prism within the next two to three years. I really, really do. I think it's been growing steadily, especially on whatnot. So I'm really, really happy to see that. Um, what What have you seen in the hobby, though, recently? Just a little quick on the Bowman. So you don't think that it's really popular now and you see a lot of it being ripped because it, it was just released. You think that it's actually starting to, to grow. People are seeing the value from it. Like we're actually talking a little bit about uh, last podcast with, with gag, but uh, so, so you think it's going to stick? Yeah. I mean, I remember first when we first, when we first met the original plan was start a baseball channel at a, uh, a company already because it wasn't already tapped into and, and baseball really was cheap yeah. products and, yeah and, and the cheap products move. i remember literally only going on you can ask nick you can ask coco i mean coco i've seen rip quite a bit of baseball recently so he can't really lie anymore and say that he hates baseball but nick especially will not rip baseball he's just not into it and 
I don't know what it is, but he just he's not really into it, and that's fine. But when I used to watch, I would only see Dr. Daddy Rips ripping baseball, and Bay Area Bap ripping baseball, G's on whatnot ripping baseball. But I never really saw like a lot of people ripping baseball. It was very low key. It was almost like. And, and 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 these guys will understand what I mean by it, and it's no knock because I'm one of those guys that love baseball. It's almost like we're the we're the nerds, and and it was cool. It's finally cool again to 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 chase baseball and Bowman Chrome autos, and it's like not nerdy to prospect kids that are 15, 16 years old and live in Dominican Republic. You I know guess what the I mean? Fans have been waiting for this moment, huh? Yeah, you like, have been waiting for seriously. This it's like. <laughs> It's like I think baseball has finally became not that redheaded stepchild anymore, and people are starting to realize, like, yo, baseball's fucking, uh, A, really, really, it, me and Gallagher were talking about it the other day. The reason why people love it, I think, is because it's poetic. It's, it's so difficult. Deion Sanders was on a podcast the other day. They asked him, and for those of you that do not know, Deion Sanders was drafted in the NFL, and he was also drafted to play Major League Baseball. After his NFL, incredible athlete. There's only a few people that have ever done that. Dave Winfield, actually, quick tidbit, played for the New York Yankees. He was drafted in three sports. Drafted in three sports, the NBA, the NFL, and baseball. Hall of Famer in baseball. Didn't play either other professionally. But Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders are the two big guys that people know that played professionally in the NFL and the MLB. And they asked Dion, they said, Dion, now this is prime time, everybody. Dion, what is the harder sport? We all want to know. He said, oh, it's without a doubt baseball. Oh, without a doubt, he said. He said, without a doubt, it's baseball. And I'll tell you why. He goes, I mastered football. Of course, prime would say that. I mastered football. You can't master baseball. He goes, when a sport is... A game where you can fail seven out of ten times and be considered one of the greatest of all time and be in the Hall of Fame, that's a fucking hard sport. He goes, you will literally barrel it up, do exactly what you're supposed to do. You'll get out. You're going to walk your ass right back to the bench. He goes, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't. I, could, I was pretty good at it. I was. He was very good at it. But he was like, I was pretty good at it, but I did, couldn't master it. And I think that's what made it so fun to me. He goes, I loved baseball more than, more than football. This is coming from primetime. One of the best, if not the best, cornerback of all time. And you see what he's doing in the media now as a coach and everything. But I think people are really starting to look at baseball as like, it's almost poetic. It's so fucking difficult. And it's like the only sport where you can do what is said in, in, in taught to you as a kid and, and as a professional. You can do exactly what is considered the perfect thing. Square a ball up. Hit it right on the nose. 120 miles an hour off the bat. And that shortstop makes a diving catch. And you are out. So you just did everything you were you were supposed to do perfectly, and you still failed. It's the only sport. Football, you could throw a perfect throw, and it will be caught, or it will be hit, it will hit where you wanted it to go, and you succeed you you succeeded at your job. Basketball, you have the perfect release, 
you can sink every single free throw, no matter what. There's nothing else stopping that ball. There's no other variable. Well, baseball, there's a bunch of variables. Well, no, when you're at a foul shot, I mean. Oh, like, okay, okay, okay. So, like, the act of shooting and scoring a basket, mm-hmm. but the act of actually getting a hit, let alone actually putting the bat of the ball, it's crazy, but getting a hit. You could do everything right, and you're still out. There's, it's the only sport. So it was, it's. I think a lot of people are starting to well, give it respect. Just to be a little devil's advocate here, just because I really want to get that perspective, dude. But the same thing for the for the for the for the quarterback, dude. You could literally throw the perfect ball, and there could be some shit that goes out goes down down there that's not perfect. You know what I mean? Well, it's obviously not going to be the perfect shot anymore, but it's like it doesn't depend only on him throwing that perfect shot. There's also like, there's also the, the people that got to catch it, and there's people, the people that are defending, it, and there's a whole lot of shit going on. I should have explained it more like if everybody does their job correctly in football, could, in basketball, it will be a success. Okay, okay. If you do your job correctly in baseball, you could still get told to go oh. fuck yourself. Well, your your job as the batter is to square the ball up. And hit it right on the nose and be right on time. But now where that ball goes, you have eight other people out there trying to stop that ball from hitting the ground before, you know, the ball. So in order to get somebody out in baseball, the ball has to either A, be caught before it touches the ground after on the bat, or you have to throw the guy out at first. Right or tag him. So we went. We have, went over that. Yeah, you a have all times. Oh, well, you have all. You have eight people going against you. So you have all these spots on the field that really you're trying to hit the ball into. But all these people are all around. So you know what I mean. Like you as the batter, your job is to square it up. You can do that. But if they catch it and they're there, they're standing where the ball's hit. You're out. I see, because because it's the only not thing you can do is hit it's it out not of the about park. okay, because because it's not about like okay that that guy over there didn't do his job perfectly. It's like yeah, he was doing his job. He's just like to the point where where the ball was hit. He was just like the other the the, the other. If everybody team was, does their job correctly in a football game, let's say you will score a touchdown, and that is points on the board. But you could have three guys in a row hit bombs. And they're all caught. And, dude, to move away from baseball and, and get back right into the NFL, what the fuck has been happening? Can you explain me? This week, has like, my, my ESPN little thing has been going off. Every day is a, new, is a new thing. Well, Derek Carr got benched. And Vegas Dave. Oh, Vegas Dave. Do you know the story about Vegas Dave? I don't. Vegas so, Dave. Vegas Dave was... One of the first big celebrities, I guess you could say, in the hobby. He was told that he should not purchase this Mike Trout rookie auto for $60,000. He did. He bought it. And then he sold it later for like $1.9 million, something like that. And he said, the market's going to crash, blah, 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 blah. And And then he came out with this big, he went away for a little bit. Came out with this big video. He was like, this is the one. I said it before with Mike Trout. I'm going to say it again. Here's my next guy. Derek Carr. He's going to be the uh, Las Vegas Raiders quarterback. This was before the Raiders moved from Oakland 
to Vegas. To he Vegas. goes, next year they're going to be in Vegas. Everybody loves Vegas. It's just going to really play to that to Just that to put into context, when was Derek Carr drafted? He was drafted in 2014. Okay, and then by the... By the Oakland Raiders. Okay. So, um, he bought all his cards, all of his cards... Every single flawless RPA, all the one of ones, everything. He he spent millions of dollars just on Derek Carr. And that's why you don't and spend that motherfucker's of bench now. Don't put all your eggs into one basket. <laughs> Hasn't done anything. So that was a awful investment. So it's almost like poetic justice right there. Did you see could you see that coming? I know. What what was going on there? I would not have benched Derek Carr for Jared Stidham, but it's because at this point, they've lost so many games and so many close games and so many blown leads that the only thing, unfortunately, for Derek Carr, I don't think Derek Carr's an amazing quarterback, but I think he's a pretty good one. He, the only thing you can go to is changing the quarterback because that's the only thing that's visibly impactfully seen. Like, you, right. you what are you going to do? You're going to take out a middle linebacker? Everybody's going to be like, well, that was just one middle linebacker out of the three that you have. Like, you can't go changing your whole defense. So... Every, who touches the ball the most? The quarterback. So, unfortunately, Derek Carr got benched. I don't think Jarrett Stidham's any good at all, but, like, it's just a change. It, it, a change needed to be made. They're probably going to trade Derek Carr, and I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Devontae Adams after just signing him. So you think that Derek Carr and the Raiders, mm -mm, the story's done? I think it's over. I mean... If I'm Indianapolis, I'd rather have him over Nick Foles and Matt Ryan. Like there is a there is gonna be a home for Derek for Derek Carr, I think. But sometimes you just need to get out of the environment that you're already in and start over and make a new. And I think that's where Derek Carr has now found himself in. He's gonna handle it. So there's still he's, hope. yeah, he's gonna handle it perfectly okay. too, because he's a good dude. And um he's gonna handle it perfectly. He's gonna support Jared Stidham. And I think that's going to show a lot towards his leadership. He is a great leader. A great leader. And that's the first thing that you need to have as a quarterback to make it in the Absolutely. NFL. So, like, I think Derek Carr will find a home. But but, but to the point of, like, Vegas Dave, I don't think there are a lot of people in all sports that are good, but they're just not investable when it comes to cards. Like, I'm not telling you to not go PC Clay, Derek Carr. Clay Thompson is a great example. Yeah, I love Clay Thompson and his cards – for me, they would be considered PC because I don't think they're investable. I don't think they're going to really pop off. But um, Derek Carr's the same way. I don't think people should stop collecting Derek Carr if they really love Derek Carr and they PC'd him his whole career. But in terms of investable, I don't think he is one of those those players anymore, at least. Okay. And, dude, to end on a great note here, guys, since it's the last one of 2022 – Obviously, we will be back in 2023. Me and Reno were discussing a couple goals that we have for CCV and the podcast next year, and we want to share it with you guys. And we really just want to thank you. I know it's been just a few episodes, but we want to thank everyone that has been not giving it a listen, and we appreciate you guys very much. Absolutely, guys. And um, we just wanted to go over a few goals that we were going to set for ourselves. Um. And I think it's it's really good to talk about goals because that's something that really propels people in life, okay? If you don't have goals set for yourself, what is the purpose of what you are doing? 
So that's that's why we want we want you guys to know that what we think we're doing here is more than just a bullshitting around type of thing. It has a purpose, and we really want to make it the best, the very best it could be. And with that being started off with the podcast, I think you know one big goal that that we talked about a lot was getting to five hundred followers, five hundred listeners that come in, you know, every episode at least, and are following us every episode on what's the word. So that would be, you know, on the top of my list for for really attainable goals is is grow the podcast to at least 500 followers in 2023. I like that. I love that. That's a big one. And uh, like you said, it's not something that we just do it. We, we want to make it grow. And not only that, we also want to bring value to everyone. That's that's the main thing behind CCB. You, you really just started as a hobby. And next year, I think the next uh, few podcasts away, we're going to bring all of our founders together. And we're going to talk about the history of CCB and how, you know, everyone ended up being a part of this. And one of the other goals we talked about is to also um, – get it going in terms of our channels, our live streams. We want to get it going, you know, constantly. We want to build not only clients, but we want to build a family out there, people that not only listen to us and, and buy from us, but people that actually, you know, they, we want them to feel part of the bros. It's it's the bros. Come and hang out. Come and hang out, you know. It's we not all get, about purchasing. Yeah. We've been we've been running one odd a little bit. We've been running Instagram a little bit, but I think twenty twenty three we're gonna put all that all the stuff together and, and really become better. Manu talked about one thing off the podcast, uh, a constant routine that we want to get ourselves into, whether it be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're doing whatnot. Thursdays are podcast days. Friday, Saturday, Sundays are IG days. We really want to get into a constant routine that people can look forward to, and you know, be like. Yo, do you, are you are you hopping in yeah. on the CCB uh, whatnot stream tonight, Wednesday exactly. night at, at eight p.m. Exactly. Ah, uh, dude, I, I have basketball practice, but I will be in there Friday on the IG live. Yeah, so we yeah. want to be able to get that, be able to get you guys into you know a routine with us as well, because like Manu said, it's 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 got to grow as a family more so than a clientele. As the bros, and Absolutely. that's and that's our goal here, and. Um, yeah, I just feel very grateful for that we have started this and to be part of the bros. And hopefully we'll get everyone down here soon. Yeah, we're going to be uh, uh, a little bit offline. Well, we're going to be posting stories and stuff like that, guys, the next couple of days. But uh, within the next couple of days, we're going to be moving here, getting ready to be in the new place, the new uh, space to uh, break and stuff like that. So bear with us in that time period. We are going to be also... Um, Picking up a lot of new stuff to start single shows up again. We're you guys have been start loving going that. Shows, guys, you're gonna. We may start dropping some videos. May have some visual on the podcast. We're working on a lot of things here, on behind the scenes. And I hope everyone have a great New Year. You know, drink responsibly, bet responsibly, and dude, have a great fucking time, guys. Real, real important here. Do not drink and drive. Make sure you have a friend that is a designated driver. Call somebody if you need to get picked up. Uber, Lyft, use those ride services. It's a lot smarter to do that than drive drunk because not only can you get a ticket and lose your license, you could lose your life or end up taking somebody else's life, unfortunately. So this is a really big time, an important time 
New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, drive responsibly, drink responsibly, be smart out there. The card collecting bros want to see everybody in the stream in 2023, so please be smart. Uh, happy New Year from Reno and the and the card collecting bros. Manu, anything else before we sign off here? Happy New Year, guys. If you guys are hitting the slopes or the mountains, snowboarding, skiing, hit me up, send me pictures. I'll love to see it. Thank you, guys. You have a great one.